everyone, and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we turn our all-seeing eye to the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who is we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mick. I'm sensing that you're going to derail this podcast when you get a chance. Oh no, you really are psychic. I am. I'm a side judge from side division. Don't try and get in my head or it'll be 15 years in the ice cubes for you. See, I was wondering what you were going to do with this one. <laughs> because obviously, we're, yeah, spoilers everyone, we're doing two Judge Dread related episodes on the trot. <laughs> and you've already burned through all your I am the laws. <laughs> No, because I am the ones that you could actually understand. Oh, no. Were we expecting this episode to be intelligible? Well, certainly more so than still Lester Stallone as Judge Dredd. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Only because yeah. I told you you knew I was going to say that. Mm. Oh my god, can you imagine just the feedback between like Stallone, Judge Dredd and Anderson? I mean, that's why she wasn't in the original film. You're paired up with Dredd. No chance. It's actually a director's cut that's three hours long and two of those hours is just Dredd and Anderson going, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Also, oh my god, Mick, you were right. I derailed it as soon as I had the chance. (laughs) <laughs> it's all come true ah <laughs> oh, dear so yes continuing our dreadful special hey this week, I thought you'd like that <laughs> I, I did enjoy that little email that you sent it's just like the name that you've set up for the recording is the dreadful special so yes this one is dread the 2020 Phil. Phil? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's I'm what I'm trying to say. I am the Phil. <laughs> yeah, it's the Phil of Chesit. No, I, I think I was trying to say 12 and film at the same time. <laughs> By the way, everyone, we're like deep into hay fever season. <laughs> Which has an unusual effect on Andrew in that it makes him forget how to think. I mean, given how the shows go when I do know how to think. It, it's, it's a fair <laughs> point. So yes, the 2020-12 film. The 2020-12 film? Yes. It's the future year of 2012. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a fun edit for you. <laughs> I think I just scrapped the whole thing and stuff. <laughs> so, Dread, the 2012 film, directed by Pete Travis, but with a big asterisk next to it, because this film was also written and also, according to some behind-the-scenes stuff, 
mostly directed as well by Alex Garland. Nice. Who did a bunch of other stuff that I like a lot. And of course, based on the 2000 AD comic created by John Agner and Carlos Esqueza. Indeed. Should I ask you if you're familiar with Judge Dredd again? You can ask. I'll give you the same answer. Mick, are you familiar with Judge Dredd? Yes, since his very first appearance in 2000 AD in around 1978. Next question. Great stuff. I mean, just to fill this bit out of it, what is your favourite Judge Dredd story? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I do like the judgement on Gotham stuff. But I think it... I think it's gonna be. Um, I think it's gonna be the whole death judge, uh, judge death storylines where where they do dead world, where they do the origin of the dead world judges. That's gonna be uh, up there. I see. I, I think I'm in a fairly similar boat because I would say mine's probably the dark judges. Yeah. Because I mean, it's pretty hard to top gaze into the face of fear. Gaze into the fist of dread. Yes, yes, that is a good, that is a good line. But I, I do like judgment on Gotham. That whole idea of two forces of chaos merging in in the Dark Judges and the Joker. Yeah, it's also, I think that one's good because Batman and Judge Dread is quite an interesting crossover beyond just the here are two popular characters. Yes, because they're the same but different. Yeah, exactly. They both have this very, like, almost fanatical devotion to justice. But, like, in a way that both of them see what the other does as, like, absolutely the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it is, it's, a, it's a good juxtaposition. Oh, look at you with your fancy words. Well, I can use fancy words because I don't screw them up. <laughs> you can't even use simple numbers and words. I really can't. <laughs> also, annoyingly, what you've done now is you've referenced the thing, so I have to keep the original thing in there <laughs> so that people know what we're talking about. Yeah, but on the on the plus side, that's made your editing job easier. Yeah, also that. Which means you'll now have to cut that line out about the editing job from earlier out because it makes no sense because I've just made it easier for you. Yeah, but I said it, so it's fine that it doesn't make any sense because neither does anything else that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you want to do a synopsis? Fucking try. <laughs> I'll translate. Okay, here we go. And if you've listened to our previous episode, this first bit might be a bit familiar. So, in the year 2080, most of Earth was left as an irradiated wasteland. The surviving humans now live, crammed together in megacities. To crack down on the rampant crime in the megacities, traditional police have been replaced by judges, able to serve as judge, jury, and executioner to criminals on the streets. In Megacity 1, Judge Dredd, led by Carl Urban, is assigned to evaluate rookie judge Cassandra Anderson, played by Olivia Thirlby, who is being given another chance after failing her judge exam due to her psychic abilities. 
Dredd and Anderson investigate the murder of three drug dealers at the Peachtree's Tower Block. After raiding a drug den run by Kay, played by Wood Harris, Anderson's powers show her that he is the killer. However, Kay is working for Marmar, Lena Headey, the brutal gang leader of Peachtree's, comma, and knows about her production line of slow-mo, <laughs> a new drug that allows people to experience time at 1% normal speed. To protect her operation, Mama locks down the whole tower block, trapping Dredd and Anderson inside, and orders her men to kill them. The two judges are able to fight their way through most of the tower and try to get to Mama, but eventually Kay is able to overpower Anderson and kidnap her, taking her back to Mama. She eventually escapes, though, after Kay tries to shoot her with her own lawgiver gun, causing it to self-destruct. And also destruct his hand. Meanwhile, Dredd is ambushed by a group of dirty judges on Marmar's payroll. He kills two of them, but is shot by a third when he runs out of ammo. Anderson is able to revive, though, just in time to save Dredd and kills the other judges. The, the other bad judges, not Dredd. <coughs> That would fail your assessment, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know that they might appreciate her, like, tenacious attitude. <laughs> so, Dredd and Anderson make it to the top of the tower. Anderson allows Marmar's hacker, played by, like, a pre-famed Domol. Is it, is it Domnol? Domol? Domnol Gleeson. So I mean, think... at least that's a tough word. Exactly. Like film. <laughs> I think they're all tough <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she allows the hacker to go free after her powers show her that Mama has been torturing him and reasoning that she already failed her assessment by losing her gun and that really he's just another victim. So they then reach Mama, but she reveals that she's rigged the whole building to explode and that the detonator is linked to her heartbeat and will activate if she dies. Dread does not particularly care about this. <laughs> he shoots Mama, pumps her full of slow-mo, and then just chucks her off the balcony. Yeah, he seems to gamble with that. He, he seems to do the... Right. Calling her bluff with no actual reasonable evidence to suggest that she might be bluffing. I mean, I think the thing about Judge Dredd that this film absolutely gets right about Judge Dredd is that even if his gamble doesn't pay off, he would much rather, like, kill one criminal and let himself and a hundred innocent people get blown up. That's true. But luckily his gamble does pay off and when Mama hits the ground 200 floors down, she's out of range to trigger the bombs. And then in the aftermath, they decide that actually Anderson has passed her, eva her evaluation. So see, he's grown as a character. He has. Um, so this is basically just a big game of tower assault, isn't it? It is. It is also basically the film The Rage that came out the same year. Yes. But with a Judge Dredd skin on it. Yes. So. The question is, is it a better adaptation or not 
of the film that went before it? I would say yes. I would say yes. It's a more, it, it's it's just more competent on all levels. It's got a plot. It's got dialogue that people would, might actually say. Uh, it introduces Anderson. I, in a in a way, the thing that the thing that I praised most highly on the nineteen ninety five bread movie, which is that sort of world building and sort of pulling in as much of the the world of Judge Dredd as it did. This actually um, works better because it doesn't do all that. Yeah, I think this knows how to just like focus on the essentials. Yeah, we're we're going to introduce you to side judges because one of the characters is a side judge. We're going to introduce you to the blocks because most of the action is going to take place in a block. Beyond that, we're not going to mention anything. However, in the in the narrative bit at the beginning. They do mention the cursed earth as opposed to the cursed earth. Yes, kicking off this film's good habit of pronouncing words like how normal people say them. Yes. Whereas the other one was designed to appeal to you. Yes. (laughs) Yes, how dare they not speak in impeccable English like Sylvester Stallone does. (laughs) Is he a big fan of Aquaman? (laughs) I bet he is. Well, actually, no, no, he's not because he's King Shark. That's true. The natural enemy of Aquaman. <laughs> the natural, natural enemy of Aquaman. <laughs> yes. For newer listeners, go back and listen to all the other episodes because I can't remember which one that one was. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, was it? Oh. I mean, Aquaman does appear in that film, so I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. But yeah. But also, also in that film, all of recorded time appears, so, you know. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure us doing the podcast talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League also appears in Zack in Snyder's Zack Justice, League. Justice League. Well, it would do if all of recorded time is there. Anyway, dread. Yes. I I think with the world building, what this film does a lot better than the original does is kind of sets the tone for Mega City One. Yeah, and uh, the the other thing is, I think that both films are a product of their time. Um, the original Judge Dread from. 95 is very much if you're doing a comic book movie it's got to be big loud brash and action led which kind of ties in with the styling of it where it looks very much like the very early Judge Dredd cat uh, yeah yeah it's very big very glossy yeah literally when it comes to Sylvester Stallone's face (laughs) whereas this one is much more like the darker, grittier stories you get in like the Dread, uh, the Judge Dread magazine, from like the late nineties onwards. 
yeah, this is very gritty, very like grubby. Yeah, kind of and it, it's a much lot more, more grounded. subdued and yeah, and muted in terms of colour and tone and stuff. Um, it's very claustrophobic. Again, like a lot of the storylines, it, it's very character focused and inward looking rather than look at this massive post apocalyptic world that we've created. It's very insular and um, self contained. Um, but it still manages to get across the brutality of life in Mega City One. Pe- people's lives are disposable. If you get in a bad judge's way, you're toast. If you get in the way of a criminal, you're toast. Yeah. If I mean, you even, even if you stand next a... to a judge. <laughs> even if you just sat in your apartment watching telly while stuff goes on around you, you're toast. So it does get that brutality across. And I think um, this portrayal of Dredd is a bit more studied. Um and it's that man apart, that man alone, the the single, the single-minded embodiment of the concept of justice, um, is what Carl Urban portrays here. Yeah, and portrays it bloody well. Yes, because like, I think that that kind of harkens back to what I was saying with Stallone, where the problem with him with him is he was just so. Like noticeably Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. I think Carl Urban, what he's really good at is just becoming a character. Yeah, and it helped that he didn't take the helmet off. The helmet was well designed, so it was basically... I remember um, a mutual friend of ours did a, an interview with someone at a comic con. It was the artist Brian Bolland who'd drawn some of the Judge Dredd comics, and he'd also drawn some Batman. And he said, basically, I just do the chins. Yeah. <laughs> That's very much what Carl Urban's Judge Dredd is. It's the chin. That's The chin is doing all the heavy lifting with the acting. Um, and I think, you know, Carl Urban, by this point, was known as Bones out of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, the first, yeah, first one of those that came out. Yeah, um, and not much else, I don't think, really. That, that yeah, was I think kind the of other big thing he'd done is he was Eomir in the uh, the Lord of the Rings films, but that's not like a huge part. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's like that's like third elf from the left, isn't it? Yeah, it's also in that film he's just like a generic warrior guy. Yeah, yeah. I think Star Trek is when people like started to take notice that oh, like he's actually a really talented character actor. Yeah. Um, so I think, and again, he's by this point he's a because of the Star Trek movie, he's big enough of a name to carry a film on his own, enough of a draw for audiences to come in and watch this comic book adaptation, but he's not of this sort of level of stardom like Stallone, where if you're paying this much money, you've got to see all this face and put a polish on it. But, so I think, I think, I think it works. 
just be, just because of that simple fact of taking the helmet off ruins the character. Yeah. Well, because like I said, like the whole point of Judge Dread is he's meant to be this very like dehumanized, just faceless. Mm. Well, it's it's almost like there's some meaning behind his catchphrase, "I am the law." Yeah. Oh, oh. Is there? Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like it's not just a random thing he shouts out. No, the random thing that Judge Dredd shouts out is, I knew you were going to say that. Yes, his famous catchphrase, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Everybody remembers it from every comic strip featuring Judge Dredd, I knew you were going to say that. Why, why it isn't a Christmas unless Judge Dredd says, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so all in all, it's a it's a, a much more focused and studied, and I I really like the effects in it. Yeah, I mean, given that this is like a fairly low budget film, mm. it looks so good. It does, especially the bits where you go into the 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 psionic world when Anderson is uh, interrogating Kay. Um, and the mind games that they play with each other are deeply disturbing. Um, yeah, I think those are very good at like knowing what to and what not to show. Yes. Yes. I have nightmares about Lena Headey now. Yeah, that was... Ugh. I mean, I th- think I've seen this film like maybe four or five times now. But I feel like the bit I forget because it's just such a throwaway line is just the bit where they go, oh yeah, and she feminized her old pimp with her teeth. Yes. And I feel like maybe the first time I watched this film, I didn't quite get the meaning behind that. <laughs> but now I do. I just, <laughs> so there's that. Um... Yeah. Actually, speaking of Mama, I think one of my favorite effects bits is when she's firing the big minigun. And you just mm. see, like, the muzzle flare reflecting, like, in her eyes. Yes. That's just such a nice little touch. Yeah. Um, and I like the I like the effects, because they haven't just gone for a slow-mo effect when people take slow-mo. They've gone for a sort of oversaturation of colour as well. Yeah, um, so, like, it gets across the idea that it's heightened all your senses. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's especially used to really good effect in the denouement when um, Judge Dredd dispenses final justice on Mama. Yeah, and it's kind of like weirdly beautiful. She's just like yeah. falling down through all the yeah. smoke. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a really good, uh, really good use of effects. And and as you say, it is fairly low budget, and none of the effects are particularly elaborate. They haven't spent all their budget on massive special effects set pieces. Yeah, it just it knows how to use what it's got. Yeah. In fact, I'm trying to think. Do any of them turn up on Lawmaster? They, they all just turn up on foot, don't they? No, no, they've, they've still got the Lawmasters because the whole beginning he's like chasing after that bus full of people and his Lawmaster. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's a lot more. It's just like a motorbike with a little bit on top of it. Yeah. Um. But most like the the 
Bad judges who turn up. They seem to arrive on foot. The two guys that they leave, they turn up on foot. Yeah. I... Maybe there's only one lawmaster. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe that's why all the judges hate Dredd, because he always hogs the lawmaster. <laughs> and they've got to just, like, get on the bus. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, so um a great cast. They all do what they need to do really, really well. Yeah, I mean, like I say, Carl Urban he's so considering you only see his mouth and basically everything he says is just a flat deadpan. He's got a lot of character. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Thirlby, I think she does a really good job of being like the the wide-eyed kind of fresh-faced recruits. Yeah. But also can handle the action. Yeah. Um, And I I think it's a testament to her that before I re-watched it, I was convinced that um, she was played by a much bigger name. I couldn't remember whose name. Yeah, yeah, but she does feel like one of those actors who then went on to be like in an MCU or something. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think she's done that much afterwards. Yeah. And of course, Lena Headey, freaking Lena Headey. Yeah, it's just, yeah, you know. She she can play a scary woman. She can, and has done regularly. Concerningly regularly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did meet her at a convention once, and she was lovely. Yeah, that's what she wanted to do. <sighs> My God, it was a classic Cersei Lannister mind game. Absolutely. just a good film yeah it is there's nothing to dislike in it there's some gruesome bits there's some graphic bits but it's it's graphic when it needs to be rather than gratuitously which i think there's the stallone dread there are some set sequences where you know there's a lot of spatter that you don't need yeah and again, the violence in this helps us hammer home the point. This is a horrible world. Yeah, you really don't want to live in Mega City 1. Unless you're rich. Yeah, but if you're not, you're probably going to get wiped out when Mahama decides, well, the judge is on this floor, so I'll just mow the whole thing down with a machine gun. <laughs> ah, and then the bit afterwards where Judge Judge is like, walks out the fire and just like grabs one of her guys and just like chucks him off the balcony. Yeah. And just turns around and walks back. What a guy. And we've got no no contentious plot points like identical genetically identical clones. Um People who suddenly become evil for no apparent reason. 
uh, mispronunciations of areas of outstanding natural beauty in the locales. The only thing I do think it misses out on is, is some of the some of the other concepts. I know it covers some of it in the narration, but there's there's not there's not a huge amount done about the hierarchy of the Hall of Justice and stuff like that. Not. Yeah, although... But I think that's because it, it's got that self-contained tightness to it. Yeah, and, and I like... Is having it be this quite small-scale story, I think that again helps with the world. Because you get yeah. to the end of the film and you realise, oh, this is just a normal day and the job for Judge Dredd. Yeah. And that's just one block in a city of hundreds and hundreds of millions of blocks. Yeah, exactly. Again, helps with the whole point of judges aren't that good. This is not a good system. Yeah. So, yeah. Unlike original Judge Dredd, which is very, don't worry, Sylvester Stallone's here to save the day. Yeah. Uh, now, I keep hearing rumours that there's plans for a series. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been this. kind of on and off for literally a decade now of there's maybe going to be a sequel, then there isn't, then it's going to be a TV series, then it isn't, then it's maybe back on again. Yeah. Which I, I think... There is one planned at the moment, I believe, just called like Mega City One. Yes. Which, I mean, I feel like we are now in the age where you can do that. Like, you have enough budget to make a Judge Dread TV show that actually is probably on par with Dread effects wise. Yeah. yeah. And it makes sense because Judge Dread is like a police procedural. Yeah. You can just give him a case to solve each week. And by solve, I mean choose. Yes. And then in the background, you could have... Um, I mean, there's so many story arcs, isn't there? There's um, Evil Magruder. There's the whole... Um, the actual clone storyline. America... Um, which is probably the one where um, Dread grows most as a character. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely the one you want to save like a few series down the line. Yeah. Because that's where Judge Dread basically realises the problems with the system he's part of. Yeah. Um, and then you've got... Um... Yeah, you've got like Judge Cal, you've got your Judge Child. Yeah, you've got. Um, well, you've actually got the bit where he does the long walk, haven't you? Yeah, and you've Dead got the. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but the storyline where he basically goes out with a bunch of cadets into the cursed earth. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, even like if you don't want to do like big budget stuff like Apocalypse War or Dark Judges, 
there's still a lot of Judge Dredd stuff to pull from. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the comic the comic book history of Judge Dredd is like 48 years. No, is it? 45 years this year. 45 years of Judge Dredd. It's quite a lot of Judge Dredd, isn't it? It is. There, certainly there are these one or two good stories you can pull from. Yeah. And, you know, as, as, as I said on, on the Judge Dredd uh, recording, you've got the other characters as well. You know, there were entire runs devoted to Anderson and the side division. She ended up in her own strip, so... Yeah, give Olivia Philby her own series. Mm. You've got the... Uh, you've got the Simp Squad as well. Yeah, you've got... I think Judge Giant had his own stuff as well. Yeah. So there's plenty to have a go at. Also, just do oh, the 2000 AD stuff, like the Mistrontium Dog. ABC Warriors. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we didn't even mention that Hammerstein from the ABC Warriors as the new original film. We didn't, no. Probably because he's not really in the film. No. He's just a big robot. But it, it, it was part of that whole thing I said about the throwing in other concepts, because although, although they weren't all originally intended to be part of one big universe, there there was an implication that some of them were part of a shared universe in the 2000 AD stuff. Yeah, I think at least the future stuff is vaguely interconnected. Yeah. yeah. Nemesis the Warlock definitely isn't, though. <laughs> What's that other one? Enter. It's not Enter Shikari, is it? That's a band. Pretty, yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that's a band. I'm sure there's one that's called. I'm sure there is one that's like Shikari or Sh Shithara or something like that. Give us some future shots. Give us an anthology series based on the future shots. Oh, can you imagine like someone actually playing Tharg. <laughs> Shikara. Shikara, that was it. Yeah, where he's like a yeah. robot -y assassin guy, isn't he? Yeah, and his hips don't lie. That's right. <laughs> Unless they're doing tax evasion, then they do lie. <laughs> Thag the Mighty. And, oh, the Ballad of Halo Jones, that would be a great limited series, wouldn't it? Yeah, see, there's so much good 2000 AD stuff you can do. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure, wasn't there supposed to be a Rogue Trooper film at some point as well? Again, I think that's one of those where there's been rumours of it for years and years and years and years. Um... Nikolai Dante. Slain for the more sort of fantasy-based 
fans. Yeah, he doesn't like a nice, like, big Celtic barbarian guy. Yeah. I think there was one like Sinister Dexter, but I don't remember what that was about. Sinister Dexter. Um, they are hitmen. Finny Sinister and Ray Dexter in the city of Downlord. That sounds about right. In Central Europe. Uh, oh, I think I could do one of the more recent ones. Zombo by Al Ewing, who does a lot of stuff for Marvel now. Yeah. So, Rich Pickens, come on, Rebellion. Get negotiating with people. Yeah, there's, there's got to be a few, like, Netflix or Amazon deals in there. There's got to be, yeah. Yeah, give me, like, well, two series of really good so old content that then gets cancelled abruptly. Just as I've fallen in love with one of the characters. Um, if it's the streaming model. <laughs> uh, or... You could, you could negotiate with HBO Max where it'll get cancelled before it even gets made. Yeah, that's that's the real future. That's the efficiency we need. That's the real future. <laughs> that's the real future of streaming. Announce stuff that never gets made. The problem is that is the real future of streaming. <laughs> because in a lot of ways, it's not a sustainable model. <laughs> Yeah, genuinely, I'm very annoyed that this film didn't do well enough to get, like, a million sequels. Yeah. It should have been the start of the 2000 AD shared universe. The Megaverse, if you will. Because yeah. that's, that's the hallmark of 2000 AD. Everything is something from the real world with the word Mega in front of it. So this was a mega bomb because it did not make a lot of money yeah. or, or mega money which is weird it deserves to do better yeah unfortunately I guess the problem is when it released in America a lot of people still just associate Judge Dredd with the Stallone film yeah also it was marketed as Dread 3D Yeah, which which is because I don't think it's like even got that much three D stuff in it, does it? No, I can I can imagine the slow mo stuff. And actually thinking about it's one of those ones where it actually works. Thinking about the the sort of mind scape scenes, some of the movement of the characters in and out of frame. When you think back. It looks a bit surreal because it's shot for 3D, but it actually works because it's a mindscape, so it doesn't matter that you're not watching it in 3D. It looks surreal anyway. And I think the same's true for some of the slow-mo sequences. I can see how they'd work in 3D. Yeah, that's, I guess I'm just thinking because there's not any of that really obnoxious stuff that you see in a lot of 3D films. It's like, ooh, my hand is coming out of the screen. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I remember some some of the stuff on Avatar seemed a bit gratuitous. Yeah, okay, that's all well and good, but do I really need the subtitles to be like a two foot in front of the screen? Is that really necessary? Is that immersive? I don't think so. I mean, I guess I'm just lucky that you didn't see it in 4DX where Carl Hubbard just burst into every screen and starts mowing people down. Oh, yeah. Oh, imagine going to see Zack Snyder's Justice League in 4DX and someone slips you some slow-mo before you go in. Oh, you know what? You know the bit when Kay's getting taken away and they say they're going to take him for interrogation and yeah. Mama's like, oh no, he's definitely going to talk. I bet it's because that's the interrogation method. <laughs> they give him slow-mo sitting in front of Zack Snyder's Justice yeah. League. <laughs> right. I suppose we ought to rank this, didn't we? Indeed we should. So, once again, this is going on a big list of films, all the way from A History of Violence at number one, down to Spawn at number 54. 55. Yeah, for soon to be 55. <laughs> now, I'm going to make a big claim. Okay. I think this is top 10 material. Ooh. What's, what's in the top 10? So our current top 10 is A History of Violence, Road to Perdition, Superman, Hellboy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, The Suicide Squad, Black Widow, Batman, Sin City, and Deadpool. Ooh. We need to reassess these. Because I'm thinking it's better than some of the top ten. But I don't want to put it above Deadpool. Yeah, this is the thing, is that if it goes in the top ten, Deadpool will be relegated to the dark, dusty realm of number 11. Mm. It's also Mick. Yeah. Why did we put Black Widow so high? Um, because I really enjoyed it and you owed me an overrule. Maybe, but I, f I feel like at the time I agreed with it. I think we had a much shorter list then as well. What is it, two, three years since that came out? Two years? Yeah, that's true. Oh, also, I think a lot of it was... Because it came out just after the pandemic, didn't it? Yeah. So it was literally like, I'm just happy to be back in a cinema again. Yeah. <laughs> there was a euphoria to it. No. Um. Mm. Because, yeah, because, I mean, I'm thinking I've got Hellboy, Guardians of the Galaxy, Suicide Squad, 
that definitely goes like somewhere around there for me. Well, for my money, it goes above Suicide Squad. I mean, lots of things go above the Suicide Squad for your money is, is the thing. Mm. But also, I would put it above Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah, because a lot of that is to do with the the rounding off of a story arc, isn't it? That's why it's so high, because it does an admirable job of doing that. It does. It's also, if we're looking at the remit of the show, the MCU Guardians of the Galaxy is very much just its own thing. Yes. Where this is very heavily, like, taking a lot of the themes of the Judge Dredd comics yeah. and working them in. Yeah. Okay. Also, it's just it's a really good film. Well, you never mentioned that that was a criteria. I mean, it's, it certainly goes into consideration. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, if it wasn't part of the consideration, Spawn is a pretty accurate adaptation of the Spawn comics. <laughs> is it, though? I mean, I think it's a more accurate adaptation than a History of Violence of its comics. Um... I mean, does does the Spawn comic book have nineteen really poor nineteen nineties done on a two eight six with a new tech video toaster special effects? Actually, that's fair. No, it doesn't. It does actually look quite good. There you go then. So in that sense, it's very much not a good adaptation. <laughs> oh, although actually, I think Nick Fury is a really good adaptation of the original comics. In that it's quite bad, and so were they. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't. They weren't Hasselhoff chewing scenery bad. Those comics. I've got a couple of reprints of the fifties Shield comics. They weren't that bad. And to be fair, some of them did have Jack Kirby art as well. Exactly. Anyway, dread. Definitely above Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Is it better than Hellboy? Well, I'll... Because <clears throat> hmm. I love Dread, but I love Hellboy. But I love Dread, but I love Hellboy. There's only one way to sort it out, really, isn't there? Vice? Yeah. Is Ron Perlman and Cal Urban available? Let's just give him a call. <laughs> I mean, for me, actually, yeah, let's put it below Hellboy. Because although I'm biased against Mike Mignola, I'm very much biased towards. Guillermo del Toro. Actually, yeah. Yeah, Dread, Dread is a very good film, but it doesn't have that del Toro sparkle, does it? No. So, there we go. Dread going in as our new number five. Yay! I mean, it does mean that Brian Reynolds will be coming round to both our houses to have a word. That's true. However, we haven't reviewed Deadpool 2 yet. That's true, that can be our get-out clause. And of course, 
as soon as the writers go back to work, we'll have a Deadpool 3 to do as well. Yeah, which I am slightly worried about now, you know, since no one is writing any films yet. They're still going ahead with making it. <laughs> well, apparently that's what happened to X-Men Wolverine. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Well, that's not filling me with confidence. Where apparently the script said Deadpool turns up and talks quickly. So, so quick that you can't hear him. Mm. So, there you go. Okay, right. We've we've discussed, we've ranked, we've rated. We have, we came, we saw, we can't good. Yeah. So, I think once again, that's about it from us. If you want to listen to more, you can find all episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. And if you're a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new listeners. So... That's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. I've been Mick. So long, and thanks for listening.